back to the Coffee and Bible Time podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's Word and thrive in Christian living. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. And I'm so excited to tell you about our brand new in-depth Bible study academy. Have you always wished you knew how to in-depth study the Bible for yourself, but you just don't have time to go to Bible college? Well, join us this year as we adventure through 12 different courses designed to give you the background and the tools to study the Bible for yourselves. You can find out more information about the academy on our website at coffeeandbibletime.com. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be talking about Jesus' heart and his actions toward the lost and brokenhearted. You know, Jesus' actions in the Bible towards people who are discouraged, people who doubt, people who are fearful or feel like outcasts tell us so much about how he loves us even today, right where we are at this exact moment. Our guest today, Jessica Thompson, author of the book, He Loved Them, Discovering Jesus's Heart for Seekers, Sinners, Doubters, and the Discouraged, and other people like us, is here to talk more about the love Jesus had towards the people he interacted with in the Bible and how that love spills over to us today, even in our failures. How does he do that? Stay tuned to find out. Jessica Thompson is the author of several books, including Give Them Grace, Dazzling Your Kids with the Love of Christ, and is a frequent conference speaker. She is part of the podcast Front Porch with the Fitzes and is the Director of Church Life at Risen Church in San Diego, California. Please welcome Jessica. Hi, thanks. I'm excited to be here with you today, digitally here with you today. Yes, that's so awesome. <laughs> I can only wish I was in San Diego. <laughs> uh, although I got to say, we have it's just raining nonstop. I feel like I live in Seattle. I have never experienced this much rain. It's everything's flooded. It's oh. it's been wild, but um, typically I would say, yeah, you do wish you were in San Diego. <laughs> it's normally 70, but we are not experiencing that this season. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, what's crazy here in the Chicago area is that we've, we've actually had an amazing winter, relatively mild, but just so much sun. And we heard, you know, usually no the way. Sun is just you guys got world. it all. <laughs> Oh, maybe we trade it a little bit here. Well, Jessica, there is no doubt that many people, including believers, struggle to understand just how much Jesus can love them. So mm-hmm. as we read through the Gospels, how does each book portray Jesus's love for everyone he encountered? Mm-hmm. It's been so interesting. I had the amazing privilege... I mean, to get paid to study the Bible is just honestly the best gig. I just don't know how I got it. But um, as I was going through the Gospels, the theme that I saw throughout, um, and really what I based the book on, 
was a verse in John 15, um, as Jesus is talking to his disciples and, and it says this, I'm sorry, John 13, it says this, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so what I saw throughout the, all the gospels, and as I was reading each gospel and, and, and focusing in on the stories of Jesus's interactions with people, what I saw over and over and over again was this love displayed in so many different ways to so many different types of people. Honestly, it was, it was a wonder. <laughs> I, I know I grew up in the church. I mean, I sang the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Like, like that's so far ingrained in my head yes. and in my brain. And yet to see the ways that he loved people, to watch the ways he interacted with those that didn't think that they would get his love, didn't think they deserved his love, um, to watch the way he did that and walk through his life, just loving all those around him. Um, it was, it was just so beautiful for me. And I was so blessed to be able to write about it in this book. Yeah. It's, it's such a great uh, opportunity to really dig into each of the gospels. So how, yeah. how did you actually approach studying yeah. them and, and yeah. what was it that you discovered about yeah. them? And I, I love that you guys are about studying the Bible and about, you know, really digging in deep. Yeah. Um, I read it. I read the gospels in, in several different ways. I read them, uh, with all of them lined up next to each other so that I was reading the same sort of passages, um, same sort of stories mm -hmm. in each of the four different gospels. There's Bibles that provide just the gospels in that way, which was really cool to read the way that the, the different authors describe the same situations. Mm -hmm. Um, I read it in several different translations. I'm sure you guys talk about that. Um, gleaning from each different translation. Um, also, I, I use a Bible study program that helps me to even read it with the interlinear next to it. So the Greek is there and then seeing the ac actual words. So there were several different ways that I went through this, but <clears throat> I mean, truly, I, I think, and all those were super beneficial, but truly, I think just sitting down um, and, and, and asking myself each time I sat down, um, Holy Spirit, uh, show me God's love. Show me Christ's love for sinners, Christ's love for me, um, Christ's love for people in this passage. And as I just sat and ruminated, I mean, I probably spent, it was probably a, a solid year just in the gospels. I didn't go outside of them. I mean, obviously for church and I would hear different things, but my own personal Bible reading and study was just in those four gospels. And, um, you know, again, growing up in church, you've heard all the stories. Um, but as you, as you sit and specifically read them and as you sit and ask the Holy Spirit to do something in your heart as you read them, something specific, um, I was so surprised at stuff that I had never heard. I was so surprised at stuff, words that I had never seen before. Um, you know, I just, I just celebrated my 48th birthday. And again, like this is 40 something years of reading the Bible and hearing these stories. And, and yet he was so faithful and good and kind to show me new and different ways where he reveals his love. Oh, 
You know, absolutely. And if there's anyone listening to this, I would just encourage you to pick one of the Gospels and actually yeah. just start going through it. It's mm-hmm. We've had an amazing experience at our church where our pastor is going through exegetically the book of Luke. And you're yeah. right. Like we, you know, you, you, maybe you have read it several times, but until you sort of do that deep dive and, yeah. and hear, um, someone who's so trained and knowledgeable to be able to explain yeah. things, it's just, in, it's incredible. We have so much to yeah. learn. Really, truly. Well, why do you believe it's important to focus on the humanity of Christ Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how does it relate to his love for others? Mm -hmm. I I love this question. Um, I don't know if you're, if you guys, if your listeners or if you have, have watched any of the chosen. Um, Okay. Uh, If you, you have um, what I love about the chosen and, 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 I, I'm hoping this is what I also did in this book. Um, what I've loved about the chosen is seeing Jesus was a human being yes. with like real emotions, mm-hmm. uh, someone who got t- with a physical body who got tired, um, with emotions who got tired, uh, see, with, with, with that glint of humor in his eye, um, getting excited when a miracle happens. Um, I feel like that's so important for us because we can uh, so often think of Jesus as just in his divinity, just as God. And that's right and good. And we should, okay. Mm -hmm. Don't hear me say we shouldn't. Mm -hmm. We definitely should. But I don't think we, we often pay enough attention to his humanity. And the thing that's beautiful about his humanity for us personally is because as we see him in his humanity interacting with real people, who have real problems, um, we can know that what's said about him in Hebrews is true. And what's said about him in Hebrews is this. We have a high priest. Um, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. But we have a high priest, and that, that, that word high priest is really talking about Jesus. He's the mediator between us and God. We have a high priest who is um, like us in every way and yet was without sin. He was tempted in every way we are and yet without sin. And so that's beautiful to think about. My high priest, Jesus, in his humanity, is able to sympathize with me in all the things I'm feeling, in every way I'm tempted. He's able to feel that with me. Charles Spurgeon says about that verse that if you put two grand pianos in a room and you hit a note on one grand piano, that same string will vibrate in the other grand piano. And he equates that to this. When something hits us, when something comes at us, Jesus feels that with him, with us. It vibrates in him in a sense. He understands that. And so the reason it's important to understand his humanity is because we see that. But then the beautiful thing is right after that, the verses say, so come boldly to the throne of grace where you'll receive mercy and help in your time of need. So because of his humanity, we can go to him when we need it. We can know that he's not looking down at us when we're struggling, when we're discouraged, when we're doubting and think, oh, Jessica, please get your act together. (laughs) He sympathizes with me. And so then in that, I don't, I don't feel shame and turn away. When I, when I hear that word of grace, when I hear that he sympathizes with me, um, that draws me back to that throne of grace 
where I will receive that help and mercy that I need. Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBTPODCAST, that's CBTPODCAST, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Yeah, it sure does. I mean, just... I, I like to imagine Jesus giving me a hug. <laughs> and yes. honestly, it was when I saw the chosen, I was like, oh, it just made yes. it feel like I could really feel that hug. And, yes. you know, I think a wonderful thing, too, that they've done is just giving, making us realize he had a sense of humor. I mean, yes, his true humanity. Like he, yes. you know, he. Don't you love that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just when he does stuff in the chosen. And there honestly, there's just that little twinkle in his eye. You're like, Oh, of course Jesus was real. I mean, kids wouldn't have wanted to be around him if he was like some grumpy, stodgy person. And they had to like, the disciples were like pushing the kids away, like leave them alone. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like who do kids want to be around? Mm -hmm. Someone who's welcoming and warm and fun. And, And I don't think we often think of him that way. Um, but he was, and, and, you know, he, the way he loves us and the way he loved children, um, it's just good for us to spend time thinking about. Yeah. And I think you do such a great job of sort Thanks. of drawing that out in each, in how Jesus interacts with all of these different categories mm-hmm. of people that you have as the different chapters. Mm-hmm. Well, let's discuss the significance of Christ's last words on the cross mm-hmm. and how they reveal his heart towards different people. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just, if all you did, and people have done this, there are books written on just the last sayings of Christ. If all you did was just look at that, you would see the different types of people he loves. Uh, you see the way he loves his mom when he's caring for her with his final breath. He's looking to make sure that she's taken care of because in that culture, her husband was already dead. And in that culture, women really weren't taken care of. They weren't looked at as very valuable. Um, and yet here's Jesus making sure his mom will be taken care of as he's dying. What else is he doing? He's forgiving the sinner next to him, the thief, right? Who's saying, um, remember me. <laughs> and Jesus says, that's all you needed to say. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. So he's taking care of his mom. He's forgiving the sinners that are next to him who are asking for it. Um, uh, even with even with all the people that are there watching, making fun of him, um, 
you know, crucifixion was ugly. It wasn't a sanitized version where, you know, Jesus had a cloth draped over himself in all the appropriate spots. So nothing was seen. They stripped you naked. You were shamed. You were humiliated. And here Jesus is, um, as they're making fun of him, um, jeering him, mocking him, this man who all he ever did was love others, this horrible, painful death. And what does he say? Um, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. So generally speaking, he's forgiving people. Specifically speaking, he's forgiving, saving the sinner next to him. He's taking care of his mom. And he cries out. One of the other things he does is he cries out, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the only time in all of the gospels that we see him refer to, to God as God instead of father, which is interesting. And he's crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me as all the sin um, that I have committed in my past, in my present, all the, the sin I will commit in my future for you too, for everybody else who's listening is, is laid upon his shoulders. And, and, and the Bible talks about God turning his back to him mm. so that he bears the wrath for all of our sin so that we can know without a doubt that God will never turn his back on us. No sin will make God turn his back on us because he did that to his beloved son. And so we see that we see him taking all of our punishment. We see him making a way for us to have relationship with God, forgiving others, um, taking care like of this humanity part, right? This taking care of his mom. Um, we see him doing all of these things and then crying out at the very end, right? It is finished. Um, so often we think that the Christian life is, uh, instead of it is finished, we think the Christian life is get to work. Mm. Um, prove yourself to me. Mm. Those aren't the words that Jesus said. What he said is it is finished. Everything that needed to be done for him to be our brother, everything that needed to be done for God to be our father has been done. And we are now in a familial covenant relationship with God, our father and Jesus, our brother. And so as he's taking his last breaths, He's whispering forgiveness on people. He's loving people like that verse in John 13 says, he having loved his own, he loved them to the very end, till his final breath. Um, and so even if you all you ever did was just study Jesus on the cross, you would see this beautiful picture of love, forgiveness, and um, welcome. Yeah, that's just so amazing. And it's one of those passages that has always really given me so much hope because I think we mm. each have somebody in our lives that we're just praying for and praying for mm. and praying for. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is saying, it's not too late all the way up yeah. until your last dying day. Absolutely. So yeah, I've that's such an encouraging passage. And 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 I love how you sort of explained all that in the book because mm. it really did. Uh, I guess when you just don't think of it in that way, like right. I love how that um, really broadens our understanding. Yeah. Well, in your view, how does Christ's love and life affect our understanding of the world and God mm. and others and ourselves? Mm -hmm. So. When we have a true picture of, of Christ's love for us, when we have a true picture of, of Christ's love for God and for others and the world, when we have that, 
we don't just get an example, although we do. We have a beautiful example of how to love the Father, of how to love others, um, of how to be at peace even within ourselves, of how to love this world. We don't just get that. We also get um, his perfect record of doing it, which is wild. That's what justification means. It means we're justified. We have, we're hidden in Christ's perfect record of always living that life. But the word that I loved and uh, really wanted to think about when I was writing about this is this word shalom. It's a word from the Old Testament. Um, it, it, it's a Hebrew word. And what that word means is peace or wholeness. Um, living this whole, like a whole undivided life. Um, and so when Jesus lives this life of, of peace, this life of shalom, this life of wholeness, he has peace with God. He never doubts what he's about. He, he never wonders. He never struggles with imposter syndrome, which honestly, <laughs> I, I do all the time. I cannot wait for heaven where I'm not going to feel like an imposter all the time, a, a hypocrite all the time. He never, he never felt that because he knew he was rooted in his identity as the beloved. From his very first breath to the end of his life, he was rooted in the identity of the beloved. And that's what we're called to, to be rooted in that identity that we're loved. That's the truest thing about us is that we're loved by a holy God. And so that informed the way he interacted with God. It informed the way, informed the way he interacted with others, just constantly giving and loving, not expecting in return. So often I think we love, um, in order to gain something back. Um, so often we'll love someone hoping for the thank you or hoping for something nice done in return. It's just who we are. I wish I wasn't like that. Um, I, I hate it, <laughs> but so often I find myself doing it. And the no way I know I'm doing it is when I don't get that thing, I get pretty angry. <laughs> um, so he loved others without expecting anything in return. He had this shalom or peace or wholeness within himself again, um, knowing his identity to his very core. Um, and then he even loved this world. Um, he didn't, he didn't use the earth or, um, use, uh, creation as a way to, um, gain something for himself. We actually see all through the gospels, his interaction with creation, st stilling the wind and the waves, walking on water, all these things with creation, where what he's doing in those moments is loving those around him. So he's, he's um, interacting with creation in a way to love others, um, which is also so interesting to me. So this, this wholeness, this shalom, this perfect human being living as a perfect human being should. And, and again, he's not just our example. He is our example. So as we watch him and watch him love his father and saying, I only do the will of my father. I only want to do it. The will of my father. It's my food. It's what I'm sustained off of. As we watch him love his father, love others have peace within himself and love creation. Um, we can see this beautiful example, but also know that that's our record before a God because of his work for us. It's so beautiful. It really is. Yeah. One of the verses that I highlighted when I was reading through your book was, 
when Jesus entered the story, the people of the world were desperate for a way to restore Shalom and to live mm. the way they were meant to live. Yeah. And I just, I love that because it really, it allows us to see Jesus then and, and to see exactly um, the way we're supposed to live, the way he, yeah. he does. And I think it's, mm-hmm. So, so neat. And the other thing too, that you talk about is how this kind of relates to Easter and Easter being mm. the start of something new, right? And we're coming up yeah. on Easter in just two weeks. And yeah, so exciting. Yeah. So, and then like going through this season before Easter um, and traditionally, like in the church, it's called a season of Lent. Mm-hmm. So it's a season of remembering that we're like, there is brokenness in this world. It's good for us to stop and look and say, Things aren't the way they should be. This isn't the way it should be. There shouldn't be a global pandemic. There shouldn't be. I I shouldn't have had to go to the funeral of one of my good friends a couple of weeks ago. Cancer shouldn't be the way it is. This isn't the way it's meant to be. And yet, Easter is coming. There is redemption coming. We experience it in part now. What did Jesus do the entire time he was here? He pulled back this curtain between heaven and earth. Mm -hmm. And he showed us, this is what's coming for you. Forgiveness of sins. This is what's coming for you. Um, Complete reconciliation with God. Here's what's coming. I'm going to heal sickness. Here's what's coming. Creation won't destroy people. Here's what's coming. Like over and over again, he's pulling back the curtain between heaven and earth, showing us what it's going to be like when we're with him um, forever, showing us what it's going to be like when, when we have a new heaven and a new earth and we leave in complete restoration and redemption. Um, And like you said, like, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And yet Easter is coming. Mm -hmm. And yet we have a new beginning. And yet, and yet, and yet. And that's the beauty of Christianity, right? Um, New mercies every morning. I have a dear friend who tells me, um, and the good news is it's always morning somewhere, (laughs) right? So new mercies constantly for you and for me, a remembering that we're we're welcome at that throne of grace over and over and over again. That's truly the beauty of Christianity. It's truly the beauty of uh, um, a religion that we're not working our way up to God. We have a God who came down to us and said, um, I, I will be with you. I'm going to take on your flesh. I'm going to live this perfect life, show you how to love, um, and then continue to love you throughout eternity. Yeah. Ah. All right. So your book has a, a number of different chapters yeah. on all yeah. of these different categories, uh, specific groups of people. Yeah. Um, how can readers expect to find personal examples of Christ's love in yeah. these and, and how do you hope it will impact them? So I, the chapters, and there's a lot, <laughs> there's like 20, but the book is short. Um, uh, and, and I, I wanted to take these little vignettes, these little stories of Jesus. And it's a, like each chapter is a little bit longer than if you read a short devotional, right? Um, they're not that long at, at all. But what I was hoping to do in each of these categories, and again, I think there's 18 or 19 categories of different types of people that Jesus interacts with. My hope was that as people picked up this book, um, 
I'm I'm happy for you to read the whole book. I I, I wrote it, so I think it's worth it. But <laughs> uh, if you're in a place where you're just like, oh, I feel forgotten. I feel I feel fearful. I feel faint-hearted. I feel like an outcast. Whatever category you're experiencing, my hope is that you could just pick up this book and go straight to that chapter, and and hear how Jesus interacted with someone just like you. Hear how Jesus loved someone just like you. Hear how uh, in the places where we feel the weakest, where we feel the less, des- the least deserving of love, those are the very places that draw him to us, where he comes to us and loves us in those places. So the book, I think, is very accessible in a way that you could pick it up and just read a few chapters here or there, come back to it later on when maybe you're feeling something else mm-hmm. and, and see um, how Jesus is for you. God, that is my hope. Uh, again, I grew up in the church, know that he loves me in my head. I get that. But to truly understand that the very things I think that will keep him away from me are the things that draws him to people. Um to understand that is what I hope people find. I hope people find the love of Christ for them personally and specifically in the pages of these book, just like I did in the pages of the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. I love how you did that at the beginning of the book. It, like you gave people yeah. permission. You know? Yeah. It was, it was very freeing. It was like, okay, I am. I'm going to go to the one I want. Make I, I yeah. beeline for the one that I want. But yeah. what really... Uh, came to my mind was as a mentor, it's mm. good to learn, even if all of these aren't about you. Yeah. It's good to hear what Jesus has to say about them so that you can potentially help somebody else. Absolutely. So. Right. Like, what is that good word that people, and I love that you're a mentor. I love that you're a mentor, Mama. We, we talked a tiny bit about this before the show started, but, um, that calling on our lives as older women, and, and I, and I think, yes, it means, older, like physically older. It also means older in the faith, I think. Mm -hmm. And so for women to know, understand how Jesus loves people and share that with each other, um, I think is so important. I was recently studying friendship and it talked, I was reading about this and it talked about how friendship is two main components. It's self-disclosure like saying, I've been there. <laughs> I understand what you're going through, mm-hmm. opening up your life. And it's also being a helpful presence. Those mm-hmm. two components are what friendship really is. And you look at this, this is what God does with us. It's what Jesus does with us. And it's what w- we can do with each other in mentoring. What is more helpful than hearing, even here, even where you're at right now, driving that minivan with, um, goldfish being thrown at the back of your head, um, (laughs) diapers everywhere, going to school, um, feeling like this, you can't do this next test. You're sick of school. You want to give up feeling like you just can't go on, um, going to work yet again at a job that you feel like doesn't really make a difference, but you know, you have to do it getting up and taking care of your kids and making the 7,000th peanut butter and jelly sandwich that you've made. Um, Each of those things, in each of those things, hearing this word that you are loved and forgiven, um, that I don't don't know if there's a more helpful thing than that. Mm. Hearing um, that right where you're at, 
uh, he sees you in that circumstance and he loves you right there. Yeah. Even if you're doing those things um, and you are, you want to give up, even if you're doing those things and you're ungrateful, even if you're doing those things and you're like, this is all hopeless, right there in those points in our hearts and in our lives where we feel like, um, surely he's disappointed with me right there. He's loving you. Yeah. And that's what I saw all through this right in those moments is where he's loving you. So that self disclosure and a helpful presence, I think as we mentor other people, mm-hmm. um, even as we're just friends with other people, uh, the most helpful thing we can do is remind them you're seen and you're loved. Yeah. And um, that's what he's done with us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we have the topic of Christ's love for sinners. And what is the importance of understanding this aspect of his Mm -hmm. love? Yeah. And again, I'm I'm like the brokenest broken record of all times. (laughs) But I'll say it again. I think... Um, the, the parts of our lives that we're most ashamed of. I mean, he sees them. The parts of our lives that we feel will never be healed. He, he sees them. The parts of our lives that um, we think, surely this repulses him. Uh, he sees them and yet, and yet, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Um, to redeem us, to forgive us of our sins. And so I think what's important for us to remember is we can say God loves, yeah, I think God loves sinners, generally speaking. I get that, right? Like Jesus loves sinners. Of course he does. Um, But to say this instead, to remember this also in the middle of my sin, he was loving me. He loves me. I I don't think that that'll make us want to continue in sin. I think what that does in us is give us this radical gratefulness. And as we remember that we're loved in the middle of it, we want to forsake it. We don't want to keep running to it. We want to forsake it. So I really believe that the more we focus in on Christ's love for us, the more we'll hate the things of this world, the more we'll see them for what they really are, these false substitutes of true love. And as we do that, as we focus in on his love for us and how he's forgiven us, um, uh, that grace changes us to become more like him. I recall reading several times in your book to how you just encourage people not to beat yourself up Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe you have lack of doubt. Like that's Mm -hmm. not what Jesus is love is about like trying to make right. you feel feel guilty about it but right. actually just the opposite is unconditionally right. loving us in the midst right. of it right and we often don't think that and i think that that's because a lot of times that's not how we interact with each other you know what i mean so um i want you to prove your love for me and here's the specific ways and that's not at all the way he is he he knows we're weak he knows <laughs> He understands us that we're weak and yet he calls us to himself and um, loves us in the middle of our weakest points. He's loving us as a good brother, as a good savior would. 
how tell us um so we have Jesus demonstrating his love for us and he's modeling that how do we go about like what practical advice can you give us um in modeling Christ's love mm-hmm. in our own lives yeah i think the practical advice i would give people is First of all, you can't give that kind of love until you understand you've been loved that way. I think that's the first thing. So again, we're going to talk over and over again about going back to his love for us. So I I think that's the first thing. Um, And then I think the second thing would be to um, focus in on um, how he has loved all these different types of people and how we ourselves are those types of people. So a lot of times it's hard for us to love the other, like the person who doesn't look like us, the person who doesn't act like us, the person who doesn't have the same education as us, the person who's in a different socioeconomic bracket than us. Um, so often it's, it's hard for us to love those type of people or even people that just rub us the wrong way, right? There's just those type of people. It's just a personality sort of a thing. It just creates friction. And so I think for us to think of ourselves as the other, to remember that we were the other that he came to save, to remember that um, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were actually enemies of God. And in our eneminess, is that a word? I'm going to use it. In our eneminess, he is still coming to us and saving us. So as we think about that, as we think about how we actually are the other, we identify with the other. um, It's much easier to love those people when we're not saying, oh, there's so much. I'm so much unlike them. I'm so much better than them. They're so different than me. Instead, looking for those similarities, we're made in the image of God. All humanity is made in the image of God. If I'm really looking at other people as image bearers, um, if I'm really looking at them and saying, how is this person reflecting the very character of God, the essence of God made in the image of God, that will really change the way I treat other people. If I, if I see them with value, inherent value, no matter, um, no matter what, anything about them, if I see them with an inherent value as a human being, because they're made in the image of God, um, that'll change the way we treat other people. Yes. And that's vitally important that we do mm-hmm. that. I was speaking with someone and they told me this quote recently too, um, when you're in those circumstances where you're having a hard time loving someone um, to practice curiosity over judgment. And, and that just really has resonated with me to sort of, you know, shift my thinking. And like you said, go back to how God sees them and God made them in his image. And well, as we start to wrap things up here, can you tell us, you know, the, the, what is the overall message or the key takeaway that you're really hoping readers mm-hmm. will will gain from this book? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the overall message would be uh, there's nothing that stops his love from coming right at you. <laughs> um, you have a God who went to extraordinary lengths to show you his great love for people just like you, just like me. Um, 
that there isn't something that disqualifies you or I from receiving this beautiful one way. Um, I don't know if you've read the Jesus Storybook Bible, but Sally Lloyd-Jones says, never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. Um, It's coming for you in the best way. And so as the psalmist said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me the rest of my life. All the days of my life, surely goodness and mercy are right behind us. They're after us. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes we think, oh, something bad's about to happen. What's really after you all the time is his love for you. And so my hope is that people see that in the middle of all those moments of their life that they feel like, again, I'm unseen, I'm unheard, I'm unwelcome, I'm isolated, I'm alone, I'm the other. In all of those moments that they would see that Jesus Christ is standing there with them, arms open wide, smile on his face, um, wanting to give that hug that you were talking about earlier, that embrace of forgiveness, um, acceptance, and welcome. Yeah. Oh, and you know, for our listeners out there, I just want to encourage you to pick up a copy of Jessica's book. It's called He Loved Them. And I think it really is like one of those books that you should have in your toolkit mm. because the way you break down just the different things, the different characteristics, you know, people that doubt or um, people that um, need healing or spiritual or emotional, mm. or physical healing, like all of these different category seekers. Um, it really is important that like your book, I feel like, there's one chapter that you can really digest and maybe mm, help somebody mm-hmm. help yourself help somebody. And so mm-hmm. how can people learn more about you and the book? Yeah, uh, I'm on the socials. Um, and my, uh, every time I have to explain what my social media handle is, I, it makes me cringe. Um, but my name is Jessica Thompson and there really is like, that's like the most common name you'll ever find in the world. Um, So when I first got social media all those years ago, as a joke, I put the in front of it. Like, you know, I'm the Jess, J-E-S-S-L-O-U. Louise is my middle name. So the Jess Lou is where I'm at on all the socials. Um, And every time I say that, I'm like, gosh, I should change that. And I just still haven't yet. So the Jess Lou, um, my website is... (laughs) My website is jessicathompson.co. You can get in touch with me there. Um, yeah, I would love to hear from people. Yeah, and we will definitely have all of those links in our show notes. Well, before we go, I just want to ask you some of our favorite Bible study yeah. questions. What's What Bible is your go-to Bible and what translation mm-hmm. is it? So I typically will use um, the CSB um, or the NIV. I'm, I'm back and forth in those uh, pretty much all the time. Uh, so yeah, CSB or NIV is what I'm, I camp in great. the most. Both great translations. Yeah. Do you have any favorite journaling supplies or anything yeah. that you like to use to enhance your Bible study? A, a cup of coffee oh. is what I like to use all right. <laughs> to enhance my Bible study. Um, actually, this what, how I'm going to answer is kind of the answer to um, the next question as well. I am a huge fan of Logos Bible software, Logos, people say it differently, huge fan. Um, I, I use it 
every day, several times a day. And so I do all of my journaling in there. You can actually do it in there and have notes for everything. Um, so everything is compiled into one space for me, this digital space, the, the software. Um, yeah, huge fan of it. Uh, I just can't, I wrote this whole book um, through a, like a, all my clippings of different um, commentaries and uh, just different things that I had studied from other people I categorized. And I'm not an organized person at all. That is not who I am. But this program forces me to be, uh, to, to be organized. And so uh, I love it. I'm just, I am an evangelist for Logos Bible Software, Logos Bible Software. And if anybody gets a chance to, if I ever get the chance to talk about it, I'm going to tell you it is worth every single penny that you spend. Um, yeah, that's, and there, I think there might be a free version as well. Um, but, uh, I just love, I love that. So that's where I do all my journaling. That's where I do all my study. Everything is there. Yes. Yeah. It's an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. tool. I, I concur. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jessica, thank you so much for being here yeah. today to just give us that reminder of who and how mm. Jesus loved while he was walking this earth so that we can yeah. more fully know how God feels towards us and how much he yeah. loves us today. So thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk about it. I just, I love talking about Jesus. So uh, anytime anybody, two things I'll always talk about, Logos Bible Software <laughs> and Jesus. <laughs> I know Thank who to you call so if much I get for... stuck now. <laughs> and for our listeners, pick up a copy of Jessica's book. He loved them. You can find the link in our show notes. Lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We love you all. Have a blessed day.